0: My guests on Talk Design today are Tori and Greg Smith. Now, Tori and Greg have a company called Smith Construction, and they're based in Fort Collins, which, of course, is the home of brewing um, in the United States. Fort Fort Collins, Colorado. And uh, we were just having a little laugh because uh, tomorrow is the New Belgium Brewery Festival, and there'd be a lot of push bikes out there with a lot of people drinking a lot of craft beer. Anyway, welcome to Talk Design. I will get you to talk about what you do in construction and what you do in TV and all those kind of parts of it, other than my segue with brewing and beer. So welcome, guys.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having
0: us. Oh, you're so welcome. And also for the listeners, yesterday we recorded as well, but I forgot to push the record (laughs) button. (laughs) So it wasn't much of a recording. It was like there was zero recording. So if we sound really familiar with each other, we've already spoken before (laughs) and had quite a lot of laughs and fun doing it. So guys, take me through this start of, you know, where you met, how you do all you do and where your backgrounds kind of collided. That would be really cool.
1: Um We actually met when we were in high school together. We didn't date, but we were in high school.
0: She wouldn't. And she wouldn't go out with me. That's yeah. a lot, doesn't it? Huh? That's, yeah. I, I, there's but, so many guys that would tell that story, but you finally, and it was, you finally used your best sales skills, and there she I is. Did. I often it was, it
2: was the eighties. It was the eighties, so you could like show up at a girl's house and like give her candy or flowers, or you could, like, show up at her classroom. It was before stocking was invented. <laughs> so, so, before it was named. Yeah,
1: yeah, before, <laughs> before uh, you know. Yeah, so uh, I
2: used that technique. Uh,
1: uh, we we would go surfing and stuff together, and then finally, uh, we went on a couple of dates, and I was moving out, and he's like, I want to move out, so we just moved out together, and we've been together. All way.
2: College And got married
1: and
0: yeah. Yeah. I love that. That is so cool. And for everybody listening there, they didn't go surfing in Fort Collins. They they're from California. Yeah, we're from California. Yeah, we just moved to Fort
1: Collins a couple
0: years ago. I always love it when somebody tells me how smart my wife is. Like, you know, they say, you've got this really amazing, clever wife. And I go, she's not infallible. And they'll look (laughs) at me and I'll go, I'm living proof. (laughs) (laughs) she married me she's not infallible (laughs) so tell us about uh growing up in california and just where that background of what you did and what happened and all that so that people get a bit of an idea of who you where you come from in this world and then we'll get into where you are now in this world which is quite an amazing journey
2: well we're I think we're both from, well, not I think. We're both from construction families. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tori's dad was a contractor. My dad was a contractor.
1: My um, was a paint contractor.
2: Paint, yeah, paint contractor. And uh, I just kind of gravitated towards my, dad, my dad's business. I loved hanging out with my dad. And we, you know, I would get to go on job sites in the summertime. And um, the last thing I thought I was going to be was a contractor, though. Because my mom insisted that we go to college, and you know, my my brother and I both uh, were majoring in business. We both ended up with English majors. Don't ask me how that occurred. Uh, and then, you know, from from there, I, I taught college for. a while I was a professor for a while. Um, I worked with the city of Los Angeles as a building inspector for about ten years. And uh, then one day, I was meeting with my dad, and and he goes, "Well, how's everything going? How do you like working for the city?" And I'm like, hey, "You know, I don't." I don't know this is as fulfilling as I, you know, was hoping. He said, well, whenever you want to, he goes, just let me know. We'll run the business as a partnership. And a couple months later, I, I took him up on it and it was, you know, it was scary and it was probably a really stupid decision, <laughs> but, uh, it was also, um, probably the two coolest years I had with my dad. He passed away a couple of years after that meeting. And, um, we had those two years of running the business together uh and i've been doing it ever since with Tory Sell. so it's it's been it's really a, cool
0: pretty amazing that fortuitously getting those two years you would have never got that bond and never got that enjoyment any other way it,
2: for sure absolutely not and you know um we my dad had a, a great client base we did a bunch of cool projects uh, he was also a professor at the time teaching instruction technology, oh, wow. so we would be drafting we'd be drafting kids right out of college to come work for us, so we had great crews and um, we did really really well and we got to really enjoy ourselves and you know we'd play hooky on Fridays and go play golf or do whatever else and um, it was just a really really special time
0: yeah up. that's very cool, very very cool and then you you had to hand over the other part of the reins to tori at some point or needed needed more assistance in there at some point
1: i i uh, just learned everything we would buy houses and we'd always look for the cheapest house in the best location Runniest
2: house in the best neighborhood. yeah and yeah.
1: some of us uh, one was so bad Raccoons <laughs> lived in it it was raining into it it was really bad but um uh he would be at work all day, and I would work on the houses and put new roofs on them, and floors, and drywall them, and you know, I just had to learn how to do it all. And
2: we bought we bought a house. The house she's talking about with uh, the, the raccoons the, the holes in the roof with the mm-hmm. raccoons, and we were both um, on an outrigger canoe team at the time. So it's this long distance path Waikamas uh-huh. call it down to New Zealand. Um, um,
0: they, they they still call it um, outrigger canoeing. Yeah. I've got a yeah. friend who's doing it today for, yeah, they're going fifty kilometers today. So yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. in a race. best
1: champions, right yeah, we're, here. We're oh, really? champions.
0: oh wow! I mean, yeah. so
1: um, kind of braggy. Sorry, yeah. but-
0: <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> it's, it's not all you're good at. It's only just one of the things it. you're good at. Yeah.
2: So we had so we had a day where I had a roof rift off. And um, all the sheeting showed up for this job. And it was a lot of sheeting. I think the roof was like close to 30 squares because it was a one story.
0: When you're saying the sheeting, you're talking about the dry rock for the walls or are you talking about more roofing? I'm talking about the the plywood on top
2: of the roof. Oh, for roofing. Gotcha. For roofing. Yeah, the the old roof had been taken off. It had to get new plywood and all that stuff. So um, Tori goes, well, I'll just call the girls from the Outrigger team and they'll come over. I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be great. And you know, it's we're talking like a hundred sheets of plywood that yeah. need to be put on the roof. So the so the building inspector shows up at the same time because he wants to see what the heck we're doing with this house that we just bought. And uh, he arrives to I think like half a dozen gorgeous women in bathing suits and you know workout clothes and stuff like that, sheeting this roof. And uh, I I think he couldn't. Believe his eyes, so he just like turned around and walked away, and, and he was he was done with us at that point.
0: But we finished the roof. If you did the roof, that's the kind of thing that um, ends up on the news, and you end up with this. You know, nowadays, nowadays that would have been you would have had somebody film it on their phone. It would have gone viral. You'd have had a you know a couple of million views, and then you would have had the women's rights groups out the front objectifying <laughs> woman because they're in bikinis and the whole thing would have been a different we story
1: we weren't wearing bikinis we were wearing like
2: i didn't set the, i didn't set the dress bikini. code on the project Tory just called some friends and they all showed up <laughs> and they're and they're athletes and they're in amazing shape and they <laughs> yeah. all summer at the beach so you can kind of put the rest of it together yeah so.
0: exactly bikinis or whatever who cares, <laughs> <Bikinis or> whatever. <laughs> yeah, who cares? Yeah. How, <laughs> How amazing!
1: To a roofed house. Yeah, guy.
2: it was all sheeted. I was, I was. That's uh, so su- cool.
0: That's so cool. And they yeah. in the yeah. raccoons. You, you, you unhouse the raccoons.
3: What do we you do? Unhoused.
0: What do you do when you've got raccoons in your house? Like, what, what do you call the city, <laughs> and they take them away, or do you just shoot oh, them into <laughs> the yard just and?
1: Just shoot them out.
0: Tell them to pack their bags,
1: and you know,
2: just help them I Yeah. yeah.
1: That live in the area so we just had him go outside and shut the door
2: and yeah, they just they kind of took the problem the problem kind of took care of itself yeah there was a little I how for them yeah. to come in through and, but they um, had physically ripped holes through the old shake shingle roof yeah and they had climbed into the attic and they were living in the attic yeah and wow. i don't know if the I don't know of the people that had you know moved out i don't know if i don't remember it being tented so i know they weren't poisoned but when we showed up there, they were gone. So yeah, right.
0: Maybe yeah. it's more food, or whatever else. Who knows? And then but, we just fixed the roof real quick. So, um, and then did you flip the house? Is that what you did? You lived uh, in it uh, a bit this, and then flipped it? on. And...
2: Well, eventually. So we're, um, we're serial flippers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We're, yeah. Done more we're than long, one. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, we're long-term flippers. So we fix houses and we live in them for a while. And then we move. I think You're our... Sad. Uh, yeah, I think our shortest flip was about three months, and yep. then we had one that was two years, and then the house in San Clemente that was, like, right on the ocean, stuff like that. Obviously, we wanted to stay there for a while, so that, you know, we that just, project was...
1: Sometimes we just have a, labor of love. a quick yeah. flip that yeah. doesn't require time, but the and, the big ones, we end up always living, always
4: living
0: there. Plus, yeah. the one in
1: San Clemente was in the best location. That was the only way we could afford it at the time because it was just a pile of
0: It was a raccoon house. Yeah.
2: yeah. It
1: was a raccoon house.
2: It was a raccoon nest. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It was funny. That's how that's how I learned. And then the company that I the flight company that I flew for went out well, of business. Hold on, hold on,
0: Segway there. By the way, everybody, Tori is a helicopter pilot. So, now killer. now you can tell She's that story.
1: Um the company that I worked for went out of business and I thought I did a little bit of like side flying. And then I thought, I'm just going to get my contractor's license and just do it full time with him. So that's what I did. And we've been doing it ever since. Otherwise that's I was tough. just doing paperwork and ordering and stuff like that. Now I, now I can do all of it.
2: think she wanted to be my boss. So, so that's why she became official. And I don't
1: think I want to us, I
2: know, I want yeah, and now there's a totally different dynamic around the house, but you know, whatever, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, whatever, I still
0: used to work and yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hasn't changed your position so much, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still, still doing, still doing as work. you're told.
1: So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> slept his way to the top, slept my way to the top.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Not allowed to do that anymore. That was like it was a good old days. Right. If he means. wants to
1: keep his job, he,
0: he does. <laughs> 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 Has to keep his performance up at work and at home. If you want that's your good. job, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I will hear about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and um <laughs> you moved um well, no, let's not go there yet. Um you flip houses and you also build for other people. That that's part of what you've done and do. Are you still flipping?
1: um
2: no, i, I really. wouldn't say i wouldn't say we flip but we are we remodel the heck out of whatever we buy so right. even in the house that we're in right now uh we're in the process of doing a great big room addition off the back we just finished the kitchen wood floors we put a new hvac system in windows, um, windows plumb. we've we've redone the bathroom we've done pretty much everything around this place. yeah right and so we're still going to go to sell, you know. We'll get our sweat sweat equity back out of it.
0: And um, yeah, hundred percent, a hundred percent. How do you go about? Who's the boss? I know you're the boss, Tori. Who's the
1: no.
0: who's who's the boss when you are uh, um you know coming up with what you're going to do to the house? Who 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 takes what role and how do you sort that out? How do you not end up obviously um you know fighting like the biggest thing that you find what we find is. You know getting everybody on the same page is really important and it's one thing to do that with other people it's another thing to do it in your own household you know like it's um
1: it's important to choose roles ahead of time <laughs> who's making it who's who has the final say on uh design work or uh choices in
2: materials or yeah yeah, or or where walls
1: are going or what you're using things for
2: or kind of or kind of order of operations on projects and things like that we desperately we desperately needed a new hvac system when we moved into this house excuse me and i think it was uh august about august at the time um in october it was around here so that would have been something that i would put at the very beginning but we both decided we're, we want to be warm this winter.
4: so
0: it. yeah so that was kind of put ahead of a lot of things so that that became the, the number one thing to get sorted so that you knew you could be hot or cold um either way right. you, could, you could control the internal temperature and right. and who has what role so you know as you said you've got to have really clear roles who does what so um yeah, Greg, what are you allowed to do? And Tori, what do you do? Yeah,
1: I know I just sounded like a ballbuster. I'm really not. <laughs> at all. At all. Uh, what, what kind of choices do you make?
2: Uh, I do not get to choose aesthetic. I do not get to choose. Sometimes I get to choose layout, but that's only if there's a really, really good reason yep. for what I'm thinking or, or something like that. Um, but most of the time that's a that's a group decision
1: yeah uh, the 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 layout of something usually starts with him suggesting we should do this and yeah. then we usually agree on it and even if we don't ultimately he knows structurally what would make
0: uh, uh, the that, best was, that was that was was really interested because you know like I've done lots of flips and um and you know renovations is a big part of my business that we you know um design renovations and knowing what the house is capable of delivering right. is from from what it's currently got is the difference between knocking it over and keeping it you know Correct. some houses you just go there's no way we could renovate this it's not for the <laughs> outcomes you're looking for
1: I'm a general contractor but I you know i I'm only been doing it for not nearly as long as Greg. Greg really truly knows every part of everything about buildings, both residential, commercial, bridges, like everything. Yeah. He, from building to inspections, so he knows everything about everything. So structurally, he's always the go-to person. Usually the design layout Greg does, I choose the easy stuff, like the floors and walls and you know that kind of stuff.
2: That's not no, that's not the case at all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it is for the, for the sake of the show. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I'm in charge of outdoor stuff. I choose all Outdoors, of, do all uh, of the
0: like like lawns and things like that, hedges.
1: <laughs> yeah, lawns, hedges, laying fences. out, um, watering stuff, doing all of the plumbing we'll for sprinklers.
0: Through, and stuff. We'll
2: go through very pragmatically also, and we'll decide. Um, you know, well, okay, if we if we upgrade windows in this house, what level of window mm-hmm. can we go to? Mm-hmm. And then if we're, you know, like, for example, if we're going to do a new HVAC system, do we need to go to 90% efficient? Yeah. To 80% efficient? You know, so we're always balancing those things. We're always discussing those items. And yeah. then um, when it comes to, uh, you know, paint color tile, all that kind of stuff. Of course, that's all because yeah. That's Tori's eye. Yeah, um, but everything's a, everything's a group effort. She's going to say, "Oh yeah, Greg does this, Greg does that." If she says, "Hey, I want to do this," and I go, "I don't think we can put a big enough header in there to support that," then we go back and we look at different options. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's
0: good a really good partnership. partnership, eh? Like it um it obviously works really well, and as you say, knowing whose expertise is in the best part, and then also that other thing, that hierarchy of needs that you were just explaining, um. You know, recently, we're just doing a job where we wanted it to be highly soundproof. Uh, and it's an office and we don't do a lot of this um, type of work, but it's an office and it's a world class office. We needed a couple of things, lots of sound insulation, a lot of privacy and getting the acoustic engineers in there and working with them. And they're explaining, look, there's no point in spending money on that. There, There is zero because you really need to do the money needs to be spent over here. And that will solve this problem. You could go putting more soundproofing in your walls, your windows, all these pieces, but you've actually got leakage through your roof. And you're not going to get rid of that unless you re-roof the whole building. Um, So this is the best you'll get with that. And here's the other ways of, of, you know, minimizing. And so that thing of going... You know, oh, we should just go to one hundred percent efficiency with everything. Yes and no, because you could end right. up just with a big white elephant that doesn't work. And if you go, well, our windows need to be this because our HVAC can do this, and this is the amount of temperature variation we're really dealing with. You've got a whole right. different equation. It's it's not looking at little points; it's looking at a big picture, and then pinpointing those, you know, plotting those you, points where they make the most sense. You've probably
1: noticed yourself on jobs a uh, clientele wants something that's wildly expensive isn't really necessary uh-huh. and you can talk them down to save money in this area because you know that there's something that they want or they're going to need later in the job and then the money will be there for them yeah and uh, sometimes there's pushback you know like but i want this you're like you do want it but you could have this and this yeah. is going to do exactly the same job or you know it's it's a really
0: interesting it's balance great. that isn't it? Because it ultimately, um, often clients want the opportunity to spend their money as well. And, <laughs> you know, especially if but they've they got it. A, the yeah, it, it, it's just a really interesting thing. So we do a thing where we do, um, we do a wish list. So we have this wish list that we do and we say, okay, so Tori, I want you to fill out a wish list. Greg, I want you to fill out a wish list. I don't want you to talk when you're doing it. I want you to be really selfish as if you're both single. I want you to don't consider the kids. Don't do any of that. And the wish list says what, will, what the first column is, is what will, if, then, if these things aren't in the project, this project won't happen. That's the header, basically. It says this project will not go ahead unless I get these things. So those are the non-negotiables. And then the next column is, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to share it with you. Um, The next column is, um, we would really love these things. And the last column is, is it would be unbelievable. And you would be a genius as a designer or whatever, if we got these things. Yeah. So these are the things, these real outliers. Yeah. So then what we say is, is if your marriage can handle it and you don't need counseling, You can try and combine the lists into another third list. But if not, I will do that with you. And um, one of the reasons is, and this is the fun part with it, is I pick up the lists regardless of whatever's happened. I pick up the lists if if they've combined and I look at the third one and and then I look back and cross-reference and see who lost out on the number ones. So, oh, Tori, you you had in here that it wouldn't happen unless we had this, but that's not on your combined list. What happened there? That's and a great idea. The stuff in the middle is the stuff that you expect to be there normally in the middle right. column. The stuff on the other side is the fantasy stuff. And so often it's so easy to give somebody a fantasy item when you've already know what the other pieces are. So then when we take those The the number ones, we go. Let's put a hierarchy of cost against them. So if we say we're going to spend a million dollars, how much is that item worth? Oh, that's worth maybe a couple of hundred grand. Boom, that's the now we're eight hundred thousand. Um, oh, you wanted this? Yeah, okay, that's probably going to add about you know maybe whatever. And we just start to do a hierarchy of budget against a hierarchy of um needs or, or and will not happen without and then they start to go huh that's really that much and go oh it's going to be between this or this that's what it typically is and I mean I'm not a GC so I don't know exactly but and we don't know we haven't drawn the damn thing yet but we're going this is kind of how your budget's going to get spent and then there's mm-hmm. a rationalization at that point as well
4: mm-hmm. but it's
0: a fun it's a fun way to do it as well because you really get to I suppose, tease the couple a lot. You can, you know, go, Greg, so how come you lost out, man? Where, why, I, why didn't you win that one like this?
1: They're, they're so eager at the beginning to spend money mm-hmm. and don't necessarily want the things that you can suggest to save. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the job, when they're just petrified about spending money, they uh, are very thankful. <laughs> I'm
0: very open to this. Yeah. I think that's I think that's such an important factor in how you approach anything. And even if you're doing it for yourself as a flip or even if you're doing it in any other way like that, it's the same thing. You need that hierarchy of needs and a hierarchy of budget. For sure. Yeah. We kind of um,
2: have, have the same thing that we do, but we call them like bang for your buck type items.
0: Yeah. So
2: if you go and you upgrade to this, it, does that make sense? Are you going to get the money back? Are you going to do whatever? So we think about it from the flipping aspect while we're building it as well.
1: So. Yeah, definitely.
2: I think Especially if you want
1: something outrageous. We have a bathroom right now and it's crazy tile and the tile uh, is on the floor then goes over the flip over the of dam. the shower and then up the walls and around the walls and stuff. So it looks very cool. The biggest thing was, is this too crazy for resale? Would anyone want this? But we just did it. That's a really That's
0: interesting question as well. And we didn't talk about this kind of stuff yesterday when we didn't record. But I found um, that if you design something really well, and let's say it is crazy, but if it's mm. designed really well, it polarizes the buyers. I agree. And, and the ones who want it, oh, they want it. The ones who don't want it, they're not in the room. They leave, they go, This isn't for me. Um, But there is just, if it's done well, you just about always polarize the buyers and the buyers will go, Oh, wow, this is amazing. Whereas if you go vanilla and you, or or Billy Connolly beige, you know, um, if you go vanilla or beige with it, you've got everybody who's all okay with it. Right. but nobody They're- who's fallen in love
1: i agree we we um we choose things uh, things are designed well and then we choose things that are exciting and sometimes we'll get pushed back like you shouldn't put that in there yeah, yeah.
2: We, just, we choose which things we love because we can and we can do it and obviously. you also know and other people will love them.
1: things yeah, yeah and exactly. people always end up loving even if it's something kind of strange or quirky Mm -hmm. because it's designed well and it will still look good in 20 years or 30 years. People, they'll see it and be like, I love it. I need it. So it it, it
0: is, it's fascinating. eh? And so, so (laughs) many developers do the opposite and then they just get the average result from it. Something that Airbnb just did um, is Airbnb just ran a kind of like a competition, um, a thing where they put up $10 million and they allowed you to apply to spend a hundred thousand dollars of that money on a property. They you had to give them a design or whatever. I don't, I don't know exactly how it worked, it's finished now, but how it exactly worked. But it had to make people go, Oh, wow! Oh,
4: that, that was good. The,
0: that was the rules because they wanted these wow properties within their sure. portfolio of rentals. So they mm-hmm. were like, they were prepared to invest a hundred grand into those properties for the owner. So you guys could Great. have done it and you create a property that people go, oh, wow, I've got to stay there. So an experience as opposed to accommodation.
1: Yes.
2: And just so, that shift. So mm-hmm. on that note, um, I worked on a show called Battle on the Beach. Yeah. And Battle on the Beach had three identical properties and they each had a different designer. Uh, This season one is the one that I did, Uh Uh, but these places were vacation destinations. So um, one of the criteria was to kind of keep an eye on the resale of, of the property, make sure that you're, you know, not doing anything to harm the structure, resale value and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But then the other side of that was create a beach getaway place that you know you're going to be looking through
1: clicking through photos yeah
2: airbnb vrbo whatever and you yeah. go i want to go hang out you know yeah. in, in this little tiki bar i want to hang out in this place i want to do this so that was the other thing that the um the contestants and the designers were harnessed or excuse me were you kind of had to keep in mind and the person that did the best job you could really tell that they they nailed you know yeah. they nailed the design and they also nailed the you know the set and everything. It was
1: it was very cool. Uh, one of the things I was going to say, I think the key my my favorite element for designing something is to have hangout spots. People just worry about their living room or family room or you know, dining room, but people you know want to do things away from other people. You want to do things together. You need hangout spots. If there's a place to put one, there's going to be one in my house, and you can't believe how often it's used by people or people want to come over because they want to hang out in that area and outside it's the same thing like find nooks to have little interesting uh, places for people to go hang out and we do a lot of entertaining and I think people enjoy uh, coming over because of just a delightful area to hang
0: out in. I think it's such a valid valid point it's like being able to create a window seat for one or a window seat for two and you know just this whole kind of thing of where do you create human connection so that it's more intimate connection or a larger scale connection you know you could do a big living room or living room dining room kitchen open plan and you can fit you know 80 people in there Mm -hmm. or whatever it is and it spills out onto the alfresco and does all that thing that's one kind of hangout that you might do Mm -hmm three times a year if you are lucky right and then when it's the family one at Christmas and it's got all the aunts and uncles you need multiple small spots where they can all go and sulk or argue or actually talk depending on the <laughs> family <laughs> dynamic but it's all still that's the that's the important thing is is finding places for human connection it's like do this massive mm-hmm. massive living room and but where's the furniture setting and can we talk across it You know, like, is it conversational?
1: And think how excited you—well, I don't know if you do—but when I walk into a house and there's like a wonderful window seat, you know, whether you're going to sit there or not, I love seeing those spaces. And chances are, people are hanging out in those. That it's
0: probably
1: some favorite.
0: It—it's funny, like you know, at some point, somebody—if it's a family—somebody adopts that space. For sure. It's kind of like, you know, the counter at the end of the bar and somebody that's somebody's seat. But that that happens, you know, and at different points, like I've seen it happen lots in different families. Like we've done a window seat, for example, and there is a bit of a romantic notion in a window seat. But then they'll say, oh, well, you know, my daughter, you know, Annabelle, that's her spot. You'll find it there with a book. You'll find yeah, it you there, know, you know, like hanging out. Like, and you go. It's always oh, a
1: book laying like this open that they yeah. come back to. Go. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, it, I, I, that's my favorite part of design.
0: I love that. I really love that. I think it's a, it's a, such a, such a big thing when Australia and America, America beats us, but they, we are the two countries that have, that have the biggest houses in the world. I know, so we so overbuild so like crazy um and everybody's trying to build half a resort while they're building a house especially with, since no, COVID, walls. with no walls no no privacy just full glass um <laughs> you know like it is it's a really interesting thing greg before when you said battle on the beach we, I did introduce it and said that you worked in TV and you're a TV producer as well and, and those things, but we never actually told that bit of the story. So can you give us that bit of the story about going into the television production, going into all that and what you do with it now? So how you guys do that and um, you guys can be found on HGTV, etc., etc. So tell us a bit about the journey to getting you into the... Television scene, especially the kid when you were a kid and uh, your influences.
2: Uh, okay. Well, first thing you have to do is watch a lot of TV if you want to be on TV.
1: <laughs> Actually, we're to, we don't even have HD we, so we have HGTV. shows on. We have to go to someone's house and watch.
2: <laughs> yeah, my viewing my viewing parties are always at someone else's house. Like, I love yeah, that. We <laughs> right, we'll Sorry. Uh, So anyway, um, you have to be really mediocre in school. Don't really shine or anything like that. You know, aim low. Um, I was in entertainment in elementary school. I won my talent show and I was always the lead in whatever play we did. Yeah. Uh, And then I took a sabbatical for about 20 years and my daughter, (laughs) oh, 25 years. No, no, I
1: was gonna say, who are your influences? What made you wanna
2: do this? so anyway, uh, not, to, not to make too much joke of it, but my dad and I used to watch This Old House all the time. And there was a dude, Norm Abram, on there. Uh-huh. And he was just like a total awesome carpenter. He had a rad shop. He was always building this really neat furniture. And uh, I just, I loved his approach. I loved his style. And um, I just thought, I can do Norm's job. One day I'm going to. Um, and then, you know, I never really thought about it too much uh then actually Type pennington popped up and we were serial trading spaces uh watchers uh-huh. so we watched did,
0: that for
1: did you have that series trading we, spaces
0: i think we i think we what we got your um your series of it we didn't make one oh. there wasn't one made here i don't think um gotcha. yeah but i think we i think we ended up with yours syndicated by with one of the networks I know the show. So, I know the show. Yeah.
2: So he kind of put a different twist on how Norm Abram was doing stuff and how people were. And I'm like, Oh, that guy looks cool. He's doing cool stuff. I go, I think I want to check this out again. My daughter and I ended up taking an improv class together. It's just like
0: a daddy daughter thing. That's cool. thing,
2: Yeah. And, uh, someone in that class, um, I don't know, found out I was a contract or whatever. They go, you should, you should start looking at these websites. And I found my first, my first job. And then I did a few commercials and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I eventually got into production because I learned, you know, how to not only build stuff in front of the camera, but what it took to do all the other. Yeah. Stuff, you know, before you even start filming. And um, that's how I ended up as a producer on Battle on the Beach. And this new project that we have that Tori and I are working on for No Barriers, where we're executive producers on it. and you know putting together the, the construction as well um but yeah i just i loved it the more i did it the more comfortable i got and uh my secret is to have a wife who was awesome to work with Ow. because my best show still is building up the grid and that's the one that that tory was on and helped me do and kept me under control when i was going to throw fits and stuff like that, and stuff like that so
0: <laughs> i think that i think they the co um uh, the 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 crossover, the co-learning of being a GC, where you know you, you you're you're building, you're creating projects either from the ground up or from um you know a, a, an already part-produced project, and then as a builder, you know, like you've got to go, okay, how do we get this whole thing together, and how do I wrangle, you know, all these different people, all in the right yeah. timeline, all under a certain amount of pressure, all under a a, a financial kind of head as well as all these pieces i mean as a is building isn't just banging the nails you know it's it's like it's actually production it's actually creating this amazing thing and with that um dealing with lots of different personalities and stuff and then to take those skills and go oh okay well we could do that in the you know in the entertainment space um really you just took the two two highly complex um, volatile spaces and, and push them together. Well, I made that sound easy. Um.
1: <laughs> it it works out easily, I think, with us. I, I can easily manage people. I feel like I can communicate pretty well with people yeah. because that's all I'm worrying about. And then he's worrying about a whole different set of problems. And so because he knows a bit about what I'm doing and I know a bit about what he's doing, it works well because he'll he'll be upset about something that needs to be completed there'll be someone on the job that's upset because it isn't completed yet and i i can work it out you yeah, know like cool. the reason it's not completed yet is because we have to do this the reason you know i can yeah. i can make everything happen
2: yeah if um like if it's if it's a show where i'm talent or i'm on camera Tori is definitely behind the scenes, making sure that the next shoot is ready to go. Materials are there, subs are in place. Um, you know, the the stuff in between is getting done and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you, you have to have a good team. Everybody has to be on board and just, you know, mm. figure it out.
1: I, I think one of the things uh, for, I was saying, he, he really knows how to do everything and can anticipate things Mm -hmm. that are going, sure, that are needed. And uh, I don't know, I, it's almost, it is invaluable on a set because there are so many little things like they needed a fire on a beach, but they Mm -hmm. couldn't have a fire on a beach. So then he's like, well, we'll do this and then just figures it out. So that's not his job, but he just figures it out anyway, and you know, figures out just stuff like that is pretty, pretty amazing. So he's tackling a lot of different, a lot of
0: a, a lot of lateral thinking skills and a lot of problem yeah. solving and, and and doing it at pace and also with cost in mind and risk yeah. in mind yeah I've, and i've always been the person so i probably probably
2: have 10 projects going, 10 major projects whether it's like an old pickup truck that i bought or <laughs> you know a, a project around the house carpentry um you know whatever it may be uh, and now that we're doing more television stuff we're putting together uh, a pilot, or not a pilot, um, a pitch reel, and some other stuff. So that's something else we're working on. But um, I just, I love learning new stuff. I love, Me too. You know, figuring it out, figuring out, you know, what's going to work. And then um, I think that I think the thing that happens with us though is we get very tired of seeing like commonplace type things. Uh-huh. So we're you've got to
1: know, you know, when people just it is not like gray walls and home depot fixtures and so
2: so our other struggle our excuse me our other struggle is trying to make things interesting but at the same time we're still working for a client
0: and you know
1: keeping costs in mind
2: yeah keeping costs in mind so it's there's
0: there's like a big it's being innovative within the um within the opportunity i suppose is what it is And, and then bringing something new to it you know one of the things is um, in architecture and design you've got there's a there's a lead time that that can be quite big and then not only that it, it takes time to build the project so by the time you started here you could be two years to here or more maybe three years to here four years to here so there's this long kind of span so uh, an interesting thing with that is, is so I, I look at it and I go it's a slow cycle business you know you do some drawings you get it built. And then about a year later, you're ready to photograph it because the gardens are growing in or whatever's happened. So it's slow cycle business, but what you're doing is, is saying, Oh, well, we just do more of them at pace and more things at pace um, so that we can uh, explore the possibilities constantly, which keeps you ignited and excited to keep Definitely. growing and doing it. I love that. It's like fashion, you know, and for everybody who doesn't know, because we did discuss this yesterday when I didn't bother recording. Um <laughs> <laughs> Tori <You said> also. <laughs>
4: <What's the name? laughs>
0: yeah, yesterday. I
1: know, I I've been rambling oh yeah.
0: Yesterday <laughs> 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 was the day. Um Tori has also studied fashion and um was a fashion designer. So when you know we flippantly talk about the fact that she uh, you know. Does the, does the design part and does the colors and does all these different things. She does have a very solid background and where that comes from. But fashion is a very fast-paced, fast-cycle business. You know, you're, you're churning through quickly, which is exciting as opposed to building is a slower space, you know, slower, slower cycle business. Um, and I think that's a really interesting thing because when you do it on TV, it's a fast-cycle business.
1: Right.
2: You have no idea. No idea. How Tell that us
0: is. a bit about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so for, okay. So for Battle on the Beach, we had to completely remodel uh, those three. Actually, Yeah, actually, let's go back to um, unfinished business. For unfinished business, I had four homes, or excuse me, we had four homes that we had to do uh, two major remodeled portions. So most of the time it was like a bathroom in the kitchen or, you know, creating a great space or something like that. So we started putting everything together. The first thing we did is we took everybody out and we figured out who needed permits and, you know, which one was gonna be our episode one. Um, Episode one usually is like your start. So this is, you're putting everything into it. It's beautiful. You know, of course they all are. Yeah, but but uh,
0: this one's one's setting the benchmark. Yes,
2: yes, and this one was basically, we turned a garage and a kitchen into a great big open space, and it, I mean, it was, it was beautiful, the only problem was, one of the people in the house died of COVID, when, right, halfway through production, so it got kicked back to episode four, and then our episode two got moved up, which was nice also, but it was a kitchen, master bath, blah, 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 Anyway, I'm totally rambling. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's all good but to, kind of, to kind of give you an idea of, you know, the, the, question the, that you the
0: speed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like this fast pace, like pushing it and right. filming so these- it, which just adds another damn complication to the whole process.
2: Well, and and the and the city, the city's coming in for inspections. I mean, we were we worked through the holiday time, and most jurisdictions a close for at least a one week period during that. We also had to conform with all of our COVID requirements. So if somebody wasn't tested in a timely fashion, or we hadn't gotten results, we couldn't work that day. Um, but basically it all broke down to, for the four episodes, we
0: had five shoot days. Per house. Per house, which is totally So 20, 20 shoot days per uh, overall for an entire season
1: but but in the meantime all of the work has to be completed in these homes and you could only go at such a rate because there was going to have to be a film day to show uh-huh. the work happening so you know you need to complete the floor so that you could do something else but you couldn't because there was going to be a shoot day in 2 days so you would have to leave part of it and then continue with everything else and it's yeah, it's wow. very hard cuz everything has to continue
0: so a bit of advice there, what would you, what would be a bit of advice you'd give anybody who goes, I want to do this for, I want to do what you do um, in the sense of uh, either producing or, or working on a show or being a part of something like that. You know, there's a lot of as- people with aspirations to be in the media. Um, there's a lot of people with aspirations not to as well, but <laughs> for the ones, for the ones who aspire to be in the media, <laughs> what would you, what would, what, what's some advice that you'd give them around how I they would, plan it? And...
2: I would say, um,
0: I, I do this cause I love
2: it. I love being in television and I love doing construction work and I love knowing everything about construction work. I love learning new things. We just did a, a great big 100% off-grid campus, which means we had to bring, um, you know, solar power in, uh, we had to update the well, you know, we had to put the buildings in, I mean, everything, um, which was a huge learning curve, and for it, has to, never...
1: it has to accommodate a ton of people and regenerate everything every day, so people can continue to use everything.
2: Yeah, oh, so wow. you know, right. it's got limits on occupancy and everything. But anyway, um, going into it, I was a total novice, uh, and there were different things for our jurisdictions and stuff that I had to learn. But um, coming out of it, it's like, yeah, no problem, I got that. You know, just put yeah. a few more hours to the front end, figuring out. Everything and 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 also it's very important for me to be able to speak someone's language. So when my solar guy's up there and he's telling me how many kW kW is this, well, I know that's kilowatt hour. I know a regular house, it might be a little different where you guys are But what would you
4: suggest people want to
0: do? Oh, oh, yeah. What would what would your advice be to how they would approach? Yeah, being in the industry. I'm sorry. I'm no, no, again. no. It was good because I want to talk about that um, campus as well. And I also want to talk about building off the grid as well. So um... so, um, so, practice. When you're doing something around the house, film it. Have your partner
2: film it. You know, get a little tripod, set stuff up. Start putting things on YouTube. If you have an interesting hobby, I've been watching a guy <laughs> build a sailboat for two years now yeah, right. on YouTube. Because I love his craftsmanship. I love his attention to detail. I love everything so every Saturday I'll tune in, I'll watch what happened from last week. It's about 45 minutes long, 45 minutes long. This guy has
0: sucked me into uh, taking every single Saturday for my last two years. Wow, you've given up every (laughs) Saturday so that you can watch what he does with his sailboats. Saturday Saturday is boat building day. Everybody knows. But how so, cool is that? Um, how cool is that? And and he's a master at what he's doing, and so you're yeah. learning by by watching as well. Like and you're going, oh, we're like that.
2: I'm a, I'm a nut too. I love ocean stuff, sailing. I like uh-huh. grew up doing that stuff. So.
1: The, the sailboat guy, he wasn't a television person by any means. He just loves sailboats and was going to restore this, so he started filming it and putting it on YouTube for people to see. Like today, I'm going to be scraping whatever, and um, it just. You know it's so interesting that it just started growing and growing and now he's kind of like a celebrity because he he That's has so all these cool. patrons i yeah. know so but he just loved it and started doing it
2: so the other the other thing is um i think a lot of people are very afraid of the criticism they're, that they're going to get if uh-huh. they put things on youtube or HGTV. I have seen like every one of my shows like slammed every single <laughs> way you could possibly imagine. like this can't be real this never got pulled off this is and who's he
0: trying to fool like yeah
2: (laughs) you can't be afraid to fail you can't be afraid of what somebody behind their little computer is gonna put on there because quite frankly they can't be the person on on the show yeah so yeah, yeah don't be afraid of failing do whatever you want to do make sure you love it and it'll show that's just and, a good life lesson yeah right? take and practice it,
0: it, 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 it is actually life. is a good life lesson isn't it you know what other people think is none of your business um so yeah it's, it's like i'm
1: in my basement i mean listen
0: to what tori thinks uh, it's absolutely my then it's your that's, business and you'll know about it yeah. though yeah in, I will know about it.
1: in my basement i've been making rugs so I have these big giant um, frames and I have a tufting gun. And so you design whatever you want onto this fabric and then you use a tufting gun. It makes legitimate carpets. So I'm down there like a weirdo <laughs> making rugs. And then I was like, now that I'm making rugs, I'm gonna start silk screening fabric so it could match the rugs. And then once I had that, I was like, I'm gonna start silk screening Wallpaper, so I can have wallpaper that matches the fabric that matches the rugs. I mean, just do what you like. Who cares? No one has to like
0: it. Are you are you videoing that for YouTube?
1: I have not been doing that. No, we're the
2: worst. We're the worst about videoing our (laughs) own stuff
0: and taking pictures and stuff.
1: I should though, because watching a rug get made, it's pretty quick and it's very satisfying to watch.
0: I've got, a, I've got somebody I'm going to introduce you to. Um, her name's Holly, and uh, she was a realtor in um, around Boulder, maybe, Denver, and she's got a house up in uh, Wyoming, up in Jackson Hole. And mm-hmm. um, I happened to meet her in the Million Dollar Cowboy Bar. Um, she'd been there doing dance lessons, and I wanted nice. to park my drink somewhere while I went to the bathroom, and came back and had a chat with her and another girl that was there this was only just recently and I was having a great chat to her and anyway um she was telling me this is her hobby is she um she makes rugs and her husband's a developer of some kind and he wasn't there and anyway we had this great chat and I follow her on Instagram and we chat on Instagram and stuff and she does beautiful rugs as well beautiful tufting. Um
1: so I'm gonna
0: introduce you to her. Yes. She's so cool. She's really cool. Um
1: we can fall up in our basements during winter yes. and make bread. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Like I love these kind of things with that. So if it's if um, television is or television, whether it be, I'll call it entertainment, that media entertainment side of things. If people are going to put themselves out there, yep, they're gonna to have to take a few you know, smacks, and they don't want to read their own press too much. Um, And then from that, how do you, how did you go to um, that? I want to call it the big time. You know, how did you break into that next level of it where it was from there to TV? And I know that's not as relevant so much anymore these days. Televisions are a platform of many, but it used to be the platform. Right. Th- what what happened there that that made that difference? Uh,
2: I think that um, that just came from being very diligent. diligent excuse me, try again. That came from being very diligent about looking for uh, postings. You know, actors wanted. I had some um, actors access was one that I used. I had a bunch of different websites that I would look at, and then uh, you you actually kind of learn the routine you learn what people are looking for and then i think most importantly you just learn to be yourself when i started off doing this that i didn't know what I, I didn't know what i was supposed to do what i was supposed to say how i was supposed to act and then basically it all just came down to you're not supposed to do any of that stuff you're just supposed to be you who you wow. are in your life. yeah so I, uh, that was a, that was tough for me i are
1: not I'm playing a,
0: a character Sorry, Tori. You're not, right, you're just right. you.
1: Um, once you start doing one thing, you've done one thing, someone sees it and then they usually contact you and ask if you're interested in doing something else. And you just sort of have to start, you know, just start trying, just start looking at different websites to see, uh, like you said, shows that you're interested in and auditioning for them. And now it's, it's so much easier because there are Zoom uh auditions you don't yeah. even have to be in los angeles yeah you're strapping and, and yeah. uh you do that and eventually you'll be perfect for something and then once you get that one thing then it just gets the ball rolling
0: and with it like if somebody's setting themselves up to do it do they just use their their phone do they record yes, to yes. their phone you know this, 100%. it's not about going and buying lighting equipment and panning cameras yeah. and you know, high-definition broadcast gear and all these kinds of things.
1: I mean, most phones film in... uh,
0: Yeah, high-definition.
1: 4K, so... And I don't even know if it has to be that good, but especially, at least for auditions later... Yeah, that's
0: what I'm saying, auditions and and just... When we
2: we self-film, like, some of our little uh, projects, like volunteer projects and things like that, uh, we do have a really nice camera that we take, and... We have gimbals and we have all yeah. that kind of junk. But a lot of times, Tori just shows up with a gimbal and her iPhone. And away she goes.
1: And She's honestly, just when, it. when it gets edited together, I always say, why do we even bother bringing yeah, well, that camera everywhere? The, camera the phone truly looks, I, I mean, for television stuff and YouTube, and it looks yeah. fine.
2: Yeah.
1: It's amazing. People don't have to, you know, break the bank doing stuff yeah, anymore.
2: And, and GoPros, you can control GoPros uh-huh. with a phone. You can, yeah, there's all right You can kinds you
1: can buy microphones, you know, yeah. wear microphones yeah. on Amazon. I mean, it's it's anyone can do it. It's really
0: amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's very- really good advice because there is lots of people who want to do it, but they get caught by the um the ha- the hang up of what it will cost to get started. Right. Um, it's, yeah. it's like doing a, a podcast, you know, the cost to get started is, is your computer. Um, you're going to need one of them and ideally get a decent microphone. And that's probably it. You don't even need the decent microphone, um, but that's right. it. That's it. You don't need anything else. You just need to know that you want to talk to people and to find right. out about them and learn from them. So, yeah, I think it's fascinating that it's not a high cost um, no. setup to make something happen. The yeah. other
2: thing that the other piece of advice that I got from an actor a long time ago when i started was every time you book every time you get a uh, an audition every time celebrate every single one because oh. those are because those are your milestones so you're gonna get your, you're gonna get your first audition you might blow the audition but somebody them. wanted you to come in and you know try for this role so go out to dinner go do whatever if you you know if you book that commercial well buy a car if you
0: you know what i mean like yeah yeah celebrate. yeah celebrate all those things I think that I'll that's do. that's a life lesson you know celebrate your wins
1: mm-hmm. you know how uh you'll you'll be striving to get a job like as you're growing up you're like oh god if i could just get this job and then you get it and you're stoked that you have this job and then a couple years down the line you know you're not that happy anymore you've moved on and you need you've grown you've, you've
0: learned that yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah. And so then you go on to the next job and you, you know, you think, wow, I was really excited about starting that first job. And, you know, it continues through life. You can't believe you've gotten this opportunity. And then as you're doing it, uh, you know, you move on to the next thing. So just enjoy it, you know, and be thankful you got it.
2: Yeah. One of the things that was a real, um, like, I was super fortunate about was, worked with a guy named uh, michael Matsumoto i still work with him he's still we're still friends all like this so um but when i did unfinished business he was our executive producer on that when that wrapped he said can you come out and help me do battle on the beach and so i got the job as the construction producer on that one so i was behind the scenes on the whole thing but um he saw that i could handle this he saw that i needed something different i was ready to go to a different place with what i was Saul's doing death. Yeah. And so he was, I actually, I've got to, I've got a sign Now remember this guy worked with Chip and Drada Gaines uh-huh. on the uh, picture. Yeah. He, he gave me an autograph picture that says to the best fucking contractor in the world, Michael Matsumoto. <laughs> so if I am the best contractor, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's, it was very, outrageous. it was very, very cool. That's but uh, yeah, he helped
0: me, show he helped show me the next side of it and you know worked along so he mentored yeah. you into it basically like showed you yeah gave held your hand as as you you know you showed the ability and he he showed you the path you knew yeah. i he knew i could do it yeah Took chance you know yeah i so, mean well chip and joanna Gaines made it an incredible success out of what they did so it's it's amazing mm-hmm. before They're we go really I, I want to touch on to um maybe we, we might come back and talk about it, building off the grid sometimes, but I'd really love to talk about um, no barriers and what you're doing there and what you've done there and what they no barriers does. Cause I know it's something that really, really warms your heart to to be a part of. And I think that this ability to give as well is, um it's a, it's a thing of abundance and we we're talking about life lessons before. One of the things I, I don't know whether I see it that often in America anymore, but I used to love was, you know, like you'd leave your pennies at the, at the store and that somebody would pick them up if they needed a penny. Yeah. This, this yeah. simple act of abundance of being able to go, Oh, I can leave my three pennies in the, in the thing. Um, I, I, I practice that daily. Like if I go to the store and I've got a little bit of change left it always goes in the dog for the blind or whoever it is, whatever there is, is if there's a charity thing there, I'll throw that bit of change in that charity thing, because it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't cost me much, but it's a practice of abundance and giving. And I think that giving um, is one of the most powerful things that you can do in life. And so tell us about um, No Barriers and your work with them.
1: Um, no barriers is a nonprofit. It always makes me cry. I'm sorry.
0: Mm, I think it's
1: gonna
2: be a hard one to get. It's gonna be a hard one to get through.
1: Well, <laughs> you start. I'll, I'll, um, <laughs> You'll just
2: sob in the
0: corner. Tori will give background sobbing while Greg explains what happens. <laughs> uh, no barriers is a
2: nonprofit. They were started um, as a company that, or excuse me, as a as an organization that wanted to help athletes with disabilities, uh, get out into nature and you know, the, the, the overpowering, um, uh, um, oh, some words and I'm, I'm getting so caught up, uh, basically the, the therapeutic, the therapy that comes with achievement and you know, being
1: in nature.
2: Yeah. For example, the guy who started it, he was the first person who was blind to climb Mount Everest. Yeah. So his That's name is Eric, Eric, Eric Weinberg. On all kinds of stuff, just an amazing, just an amazing dude, and he still—I mean, he still speaks at events and all that stuff—and he's just
1: be- people he's that made. that need to that. Oh, I'm already gonna cry. People need to be outside doing things, and yeah. a lot of times they're not necessarily athletes. You, just and you don't get to. to be out.
2: They work with veterans programs. They work with mm-hmm. kids programs. They, they're all over the place helping whoever needs help and. And and
1: they make these small movies. There's a girl who lives in Colorado, and she's in a wheelchair, and she's been looking out the same bedroom window her whole life. And there's this mountain, a fourteen thousand foot mountain, and you know she'd look at it, and she'd always think, God, if only
0: if only I could climb that, yeah.
1: Yes, but she can't move her body, and so you know, no barriers created a road team for her to help her get up to the top of the mountain
2: so she gets to go up this this mountain and it's it's just story after story like that and
1: but then it changes everyone's life because then you like there was no reason for her to lift weights and stuff with, because you know she she was at home not doing a lot and so when she did that she's like Holy crap, I can do all kinds of stuff. It, so now she's she's yeah, doing stuff she, she started and she's getting helping strength, people. Mobility, and,
2: and it was all just because of this different mindset. And that's what no barriers does. They just give different a different mindset to everybody. And
1: groups of kids that can go to summer camp, even though they're blind or they're in wheelchairs, or they, you know, it doesn't matter what's wrong with them. They can all go. Yeah. It.
0: Yeah. yeah. The, the, it, it opens so much possibility and grows so much community. So tell and us. Some,
1: life oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Like life changing for all parties. For, so for for, us, sorry, right. Go. Yeah. So
2: for us, we were. Oh, sorry. Um, so for us, we were kind of this was this was like. our So um, when we got involved with Noverius, they needed a campus built, um, but the design was all wrong. So we redesigned and, you know, we made sure that it worked. And not only achieved, but it was much better than what would have been up there and it was
1: so expensive they wanted to scrap it because it was just too much money that that was being taken away from you know all of their programs their programs yeah so
4: and and you we know, designed
1: it so that they could still do it and now it's better and more usable than it would have been
2: it's that's great and, and covid was very very tough on them um i think when we brought the program we brought the campus back to, we started before COVID. Once we had come back from COVID, I think there were two full-time members still at No Barriers, and they used to have like 20 to 25, a staff of 20 to 25 throughout the U.S. and, you Mm -hmm. know, internationally. Um, So we got to help out with other roles too. For example, Tori got involved with helping them put their summit together, and she used all of her skills as a event coordinator. And they just had to summit a couple of weeks ago. It was awesome. They made a lot of money for the company. Um, and then we've gotten to like, for example, we needed money for materials, So we went and talked to home Depot and home Depot kicked in almost a hundred grand for the, wow. for the build. Yeah. And yeah, just everybody wants to help out. Everybody wants to get things moving. And we just were in this awesome position that we got to use our talents and and help them out. And it's, it's, been, it's, it's been real.
0: It's so cool. So cool. This, it,
2: this was our, this was our, like if someone's like, well, what would you want to achieve in life? This was what we want. Well, excuse me, what I, I would want. like to yeah. do.
0: Yeah, I could yeah. check out
2: now and I'd be like, I I did it. I, you know, I, I did what I want to achieve.
0: Yeah, my favorite question of, um if there was one last thing that you could do, um, what would it be? What would it be if you had to hang up your, you know, your apron or whatever it was at the end of it? Um, this is what you do. Mm.
1: Mine's to be able to knit a sweater, well, and also, (laughs)
0: also and for Greg
2: to wear it on TV. I
1: just want to knit.
2: A complete sweater. Yeah, I want to drink and ride my bicycle all over the place. So. <laughs> tomorrow's, <laughs> tomorrow's your
0: day, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. <It's our> day. <laughs> only I was
0: wearing my homemade sweater. Uh, <laughs> hey, guys, it's been amazing. And um, for those people who never got to listen to yesterday's episode, because <laughs> I didn't record we it. Into- <laughs>
4: I'm sorry, We've, I don't know what
0: happened. This. <laughs> we we talked about lots of things we never talked about yesterday. It was so good as well, um, but yeah, just fabulous and sort of this thing of being able to give like you do, and then also being able to create parts of the community and and use your skills to enhance that community, um, and then also bring it to other people yeah. by by making it into a television production. And so then other people get inspired by it and it brings it further forward and brings our awareness and consciousness of all these things up. I think it's great. And, and
1: volunteer, it leads to so much stuff.
0: Well, that's that, that's a really good point. The volunteering part, uh, and that'd be a really great note to finish on is, is telling people about how you can volunteer to do something really cool.
1: Yes, volunteering doesn't have to be boring. Find something you like. There's a way to volunteer with something that you like everything 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 that you enjoy there is a way to volunteer and help people with it so and then you meet people that enjoy the same things you enjoy so you make friends you're helping a community it's just a win-win for everybody it's such a great thing
0: such a cool such a cool note that you know to go there is a way to help and there's a way to that with what you want to do it's not all just soup kitchen and digging drains you know it's like if that's what you love, then that's, that will be the part. But otherwise it's like, um, even my daughter did a little volunteering thing with school. And um, so she, my daughter, my youngest daughter is 12. She ended up going to the aged care home that was actually attached by their school. It's like, and she came home so excited. She had helped somebody with their email and their phone. And it the guy who dad helped was the first principal of her school.
1: Get out. So cool. See? And, and, and so cool. talk
0: about talk about light her up. And
1: that's awesome.
0: She was teaching him how to use his phone, uh, another way of using his phone that he could do some things and then how he could integrate some email features on there as well. And he's like in awesome. his like late 80s or something, and she's 12. And you know, she's that giving and receiving, she got more yeah. out of it than he ever will, you know? For sure. So cool.
1: Yeah. So, so cool. It usually changes somebody's life when you're doing it. Maybe the helper, maybe the person receiving help, but it's usually something you'll remember forever. Yeah,
0: it's very yeah. contagious. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, guys, thank you so, so much for doing two interviews, one recorded.
1: <laughs> I was thinking you could edit together the good stuff from yesterday, then I remembered. I, I didn't get any yesterday.
3: <laughs> Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know fee pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, If it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like imagine if you had some hot chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? and see if they follow you, see if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it, because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.